Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. And, uh, you know, uh, I was fortunate. Uh, no other children lived down the road that I lived on, but I lived closer to the uh, school, and I could make it to the school on the gravel roads, and I drove our old 8N Ford tractor to school and back. That's how I got to school and back. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the environment in which uh, um, a child is raised uh, can seem normal to them. You know, that 08N Ford, uh, Ford tractor, it didn't even have any brakes on it. I was raised imagining that tractors just don't have brakes. They have a pedal, but there's no such thing, no sign of a brake. And that just seemed normal to me. Isn't it amazing that right up until you realized that, that you weren't raised normal, you thought it was normal. I didn't think anybody's tractor had brakes. I didn't know anybody that had brakes on their, on, on, on their equipment. And uh, I, I look back on and think how funny that is. Anyway, uh, I was in a small school, and, and I graduated with less than 30 people from James Bowie High School in Sims, Texas. And we were the fighting pirates. I don't know what that means, but we were the fighting pirates. And uh, during most of the years that I was at James Bowie, um, the school was really challenged to get enough boys together in high school to actually have a, um, a, a football team. And, and if you would and could and were willing, you were drafted, you were solicited, you were encouraged, you were begged, you went out there and you suited up and, and, and you played so that we could have a, a team all year. And so, uh, you know, and if you played, uh, you played every play of the football game. I didn't know, I didn't understand, I knew I was on different teams, but I didn't know that different people were supposed to be going out there. I was on the kickoff team, I was on the punt return team, I was on the offense, I was on the defense, I was, and I was, listen, I was five foot one and weighed 110 pounds soaking wet whenever I was in, you know, freshman and sophomore, and I, 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 I didn't grow a whole lot in, in, in my junior year either, and so it was not necessarily easy. I'm talking about, you know, we had to cinch up everything we had just to get it on me, and, but I was a warm body. I was fast. I was slippery, and so I became, uh, you know, a running back, and I became a safety, and you know, and and I, I, I returned the punts and returned, and I, I, I'd do anything to keep from getting hit by them big old boys, and so I, you know, and and I was pretty quick, but uh, I was also the guy normally, the last guy, still chasing the opponent down the field whenever you know they made the touchdown. You know, I, I wouldn't give up, but uh, but you know, neither was I really able to catch him. But I must admit, by the way, that uh, you know. We weren't that good uh, in my years as a fighting pirate, but we did our best. Uh, losses just didn't seem to really bother us. We seemed to just go back out the next week, get right back there, and take, you know, take another whooping. It just, I mean, it was just, it was, you know, it, it was playing the game. It was, I mean, it was, it was a game. So what we didn't win, and, and I, you know, I can't remember winning, but I can remember playing quite a lot, and uh, in my junior year, along about the very end of the football season, uh, it, it was cold. It was so cold. I'm talking about freezing cold. And the Friday night of that football game, it was our last football game, and it started raining on Friday. It, got, it was real cold, and, you know, along about sundown, it started sleeting. 
Now, our football field was not the best football field. It was as good as the team was, but it had, it had dips in it. It had holes in it. You know, we'd go out there and cut donuts. We didn't understand what, you know. We, I, mean, I mean, this was just the country, you know. And so it had shallowed out places that when it rained, it would fill up. You know, a lot of places around just would be like puddles, some of them lakes. I mean, some of them five, six inches, you know, just, just little, little lakes out there in, on, on the football field. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, it was quite interesting when it would, get real cold because it would freeze up the top would freeze over and this night that's the way it was and 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 when you broke through the ice it was kind of slushy with mud and ice underneath it and then real cold water i mean cold water uh and, and, you know uh over my 50 years since uh i played in high school that's been a long time isn't it over that time uh i've looked back to one moment on the field that night and I have realized and clearly remembered I stuck it in my brain I meant to remember it I remember what I said to myself and I remember what I saw that changed my perspective and it still speaks to me today uh, it it was that somebody didn't show up that night and we had to move positions around and in moving people around you know and I was, I was, uh, I was a very, you know, I was not very good either. I got put up right on the line. I had to play right on the line, head to head, with our opponents, and their line averaged two hundred and twenty pounds. Every one of them outweighed me a hundred pounds and was at least a foot taller than me. But you know, I was used to play. I just wasn't used to playing up on the line. I can remember what the coach said. I mean, I heard him say it over and over and over and over all night, you know, every time out, every delay because of weather or something like that or having to wipe the ball off, everything, the coach would say, you know, he would say, you know, uh, you know strike hard, you know, push back, penetrate, look for the ball. Yeah, I would hear him over and over and over, you know, over and over and over, and I would, I would you know, do my best. But uh, my best wasn't getting very far, by the way, and uh, uh it just wasn't possible. It just was not possible for me to play that position, to do that job, and for us to even, you know, hardly score. It was just very, very difficult. I tried my best, but the whole game felt just like Ronnie torture. Okay? <laughs> Ronnie torture. We were losing as usual, but that just was not my concern. I was more focused on the fact that I was freezing to death. Literally. I was freezing to death. I thought I was going to freeze to death. Right near the end of the game, the other team had the ball, and I remember where we were. I could take you right now and show you just about where we were on the field. Uh, looking, uh, uh, looking to uh, the north, you would be, we were on uh, the northern side of the halfway mark, of a 50-yard line, and we were on the right side of the field. And they had the ball, and I was right there on the line. And when the ball was snapped, I struck as hard as I could. And I, I you know, I was, I was doing my best, you know, to strike hard and to, you know, push back and penetrate and, and, and look for the ball. But, you know, I was, I was head to knee. My head, his knee, you know. 
And uh, that's about where I struck, but that's where, about where my you know, uh, stance was. And, and, you know, I wasn't going to push that guy anywhere. And sure enough, you know, just about the time I saw that, that the ball, they were running the ball right at me, which they did all night long. They had found their weak spot, and that was their strong spot, and that's where they were running. And they were coming right at me. You know, I was still struggling to do my very best. I was still, you know, pushing along. And he just slapped me down in one of those lakes. I can, I remember, man, and I remember the slush of ice coming up in my helmet. It went down my, my shirt and uh, on my shoulder pads, and it, and it just absolutely, and the shock of it is I'm down in that water, just, ah, you know, I mean, he's on top of me, and all that struggling going on over, over, over top of me, people stepping on you, and, running, and I ended up that the whole pile where they stopped the runner, they were all on top of me, and I'm down there in a few inches of water, Oh, I'm cold. And I'm on the bottom. And when people are cold, they don't move very quickly. And nobody was moving very quickly that night. And it didn't matter how much I was squirming, how much I was trying to move, or what I was yelling, get up, get up, get up. It just didn't matter. The people in the middle of the pile were as warm as they had been all night, and they didn't want to go anywhere. People on the top of the pile were trying to get to the middle of the pile, and people on the bottom pile were trying to get to the middle of the pile, and I was stuck on the very bottom, and every lasting one of them was on me in some way, and I was just, you know. And I remember having this thought, and I decided, uh, if you know me, you know I'm this way. I'm just a little bit, uh, I really live a lot right here, okay? Uh, I have some... Uh, challenges mental challenges uh that i've you know done okay with but <laughs> i remember having this thought this is the coldest i have ever been and i want to remember this this is the coldest that i am ever going to be in my life i am never going to be any colder than i am right now and i'm going to remember this moment this is what i said to myself and if I am ever in my life any colder than I am right now, I'm going to know that I was wrong. Now, I know that sounds silly, but that's what I said to myself. I kind of live in my head, and I wanted to, you know, am I right, am I not right? I mean, this is the coldest that a person, I mean, I am, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. Nobody's moving, and I've got ice packed all over me. I'm freezing. That's what I thought. My head was turned this way, and I can remember I can see through the pile of legs and arms. And at that moment, I saw something. I saw the scoreboard. I saw we were losing, but I saw <laughs> pretty bad. But I saw the clock, and the whole game had less than a minute. And I remember all of a sudden how encouraging it was. How absolutely encouraged I got to realize that it was almost over. <laughs> Ooh. What I had said to myself has stuck with me all of my life. And I have been very, very cold since then. And Every time I have ever gotten really, really, really cold since then, I have said to myself, am I as cold as I was that night? 
Nope. I hadn't been wrong since. But also, I've realized that high intense emotions... When your emotions are running very high and very intense moments, they seem to burn memories into those wrinkles in your brain. And I have remembered that moment. I have remembered what I said to myself. I have rehearsed it over and over since then. And I've kept a catalog in my head of, 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 of moments of life, and just like you do. And I remember seeing that clock, and it was under a minute, and it was kicking down. And I was thinking, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay because the game is almost over. What a feeling to see something that gives you such hope. From that trapped position, through those layered bodies. When I was tempted to give up, to give in, to fear, to panic, to submit to the pain. And there was nothing I could do about it. I got encouraged like Realizing that I can make it that far. It's going to be over. Soon, game over. Well, that was the last football game, by the way, I've ever played. I got a job that summer working 48 hours a week. When I went back to school, I kept the job. And I got married as a senior in high school, working 48 hours a week. Instead of playing ball, I had other things on my mind. <laughs> and, uh, but I've never forgot. I don't think the team missed me. I certainly didn't miss playing that much. Uh, but, you know, I don't think things would have turned out much different if I hadn't have seen that clock. But what would have been different is how I felt. The encouragement I received from knowing that the game was almost over. And that I could make it. I knew I had enough in me. That things were going to change soon, soon enough. I was going to get to go home. I was going to get to get warm. Soon enough I could make it. All I needed was just a little more endurance, just a little more patience, just a little more long-suffering. Soon I was going to hear that buzzer. And soon I could go home. And going home and getting warm became the win for me. No matter what the scoreboard said, no matter which team went home, with that victory, I knew I was about to get my victory. I didn't give a hoot about another touchdown. You could have given me the ball and told me you can make the winning touchdown or you can go home. I'd have went home. <laughs> home was my win. Have you found the book of James yet? James chapter 5. Therefore, as James is writing, 
to people who are undergoing and encountering hardship and persecution, being treated wrong in this case. He was specifically talking to those who perhaps had suffered injustice because someone else was a little bit higher or farther along or more capable than they and people on the top weren't treating people on the bottom too well. You can read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read the whole book. I told you guys first year I would keep you up on how I'm doing. I've been keeping up with one book of the Bible every week. This week I'm, I'm in the book of Proverbs and I'm halfway through it. I've gotten to do one book each week of this year. I encourage you find a good Bible reading plan. If you don't have one, go online at cotr.com and just click that button. It'll read a daily Bible reading to you. You never even have to open up anything. It'll read it to you every day and it'll take you through the Bible in one year. Okay? And if you miss it, it'll let you back up and catch up. Okay? But reading this whole book will give you perspective so that you will know that this pastor is writing to people who have suffered injustice who many of them have even suffered being dispersed and, and pushed out of their homelands. Many of them have encountered hardships and injustice, difficult situations that they cannot make right in their own mind. They've been treated wrong. And here, this pastor who has been pastor of the church in Jerusalem for perhaps 30 years, he's watched people. He hadn't just you know, gone around the country preaching at different churches and just, you know, teaching it and leaving it with them. He's been teaching it and living it with them. He knows what it takes to live a victorious Christian life for 30 years and to lead others in that adventure. And he's still full of, you know, the, the motivation and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to encourage people to continue and he says, therefore, because of the injustices that you may suffer, because of the difficult situations you may go through, because of the circumstances you may face, and because of things that you may not can change, therefore, be patient, brethren. You see, God's not finished. God's not through with you or your situation, this world, or those who may be serving you something that might ill serve you at some moment in life. God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Now, here we know scholarly approach to this particular phrase would lead us to understand that he's talking not only about the coming of the Lord Jesus in the clouds to redeem all of mankind who have made him Lord and Savior, but he's also talking about a personal exodus that one day the game will be over for you. Whether Jesus comes for everyone or not, one day he will come for you. And this coming of the Lord will certainly solve every problem that we have faced in this life. 
providing you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You might say, preacher, you keep saying that. What do you mean? Let me tell you what I mean. There is a necessity for us to recognize that we need a Savior. It's the very simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a necessity for mankind to come to the recognition and the realization that I need help. I need a Savior, not only in this world, but certainly in the world to come. And in that recognition, it is important that we submit our lives to a Heavenly Father, to a God, to the Creator of the universe, to the one and the only one who can help us as we step from this life to the next. And not only that, but also as we walk in this life, He can help us. It's necessary we recognize that we need His help, that we respond to that realization by repenting and by giving our life to Him, by submitting our lives in recognition to who He is and what He has done for us. And then, number three, we need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We do that by faith because we call upon His name to save our souls. There is no other way given among men whereby we must be saved except to recognize, repent, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We can do that. It's free for asking. Salvation is free. However, discipleship may cost you <laughs> quite a lot. Growing in Christ can cost you. You know, you may not always get to do the things that you thought you were in love with, but God will change your love so that you fall in love with the things He has for you. That is a process of life. As we continue to grow in Him, as we continue to fill our minds and hearts with the Word of God, as we continue to approach Him in prayer, as we continue to offer our hearts to Him, Change us, Lord Jesus. Here, we know that this pastor, James, he's encouraging people who are going through moments of life just like you and me. And he says, be patient. This word patient, this concept patient, means long-suffering. That means that, that you're just going to do it a little longer. You're just going to go ahead and be patient. You're just going to wait on God a little longer. You're just going to go ahead and give God a little more chance. You're going to be long-suffering. You're going to be long-enduring. You're going to be long-patient until the coming of the Lord. If it takes that long, that won't be too long. Life happens like that. He said, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He waits patiently. You know, he doesn't go out there and plant in the morning and go out there at noon and complain because he doesn't have fruit. He has an understanding that life is a process. See how the farmer, after sowing seeds, waits patiently for the harvest. He waits for it. Until it receives the early and the latter rain. There's process. There's time. There's growth. Just because we call upon the name of the Lord. Just because we give Him our faith and our hope. And we don't see something. Does not mean that He is not actively engaged. In coming to our defense. To our rescue. To our aid. He is. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. He guarantees you that He will not leave you nor forsake you. 
that you will see your desires upon your enemies and you will be given the desires of your heart. Don't be like the man who said, God, give me patience and give it to me right now. want patience I want it now and if you're not going to get me to it give it to me now forget about it verse 8 just like that farmer you also be patient establish your heart now that means set your heart what does that mean that means that 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 we that that, that we just decide that our heart is going to get some root in it we're going to just go ahead and and concrete our heart in place I'm going to go ahead and decide. I'm not going to let my heart be moved. I'm not going to vacillate and blow with every wind. I'm not going to let the circumstances of life push me around. Establish your heart. Why? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Listen, it won't be that long for any of us. Don't let your heart sink into despair. Don't draw back. Don't run away. Don't panic. Don't become fearful. Don't become aggressive and just start fighting the air. Don't put your focus on the end. Put your focus on the finish line. If that's the best you can do, then put your focus on the harvest and endure hardships as a good soldier of the cross. Not everything that we want will come when we want it. We can have faith and we can petition God. And I would venture to say that a great majority of the things that you petition God for will happen sooner than you imagined and be better than you could have made it. But no matter how much Mary might have prayed for Jesus, To not have to go through the beating, the 39 stripes on his back. Can you imagine a mother outside doing anything but saying, God, this is our son, make that stop. One is enough. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ripping flesh from his body. God, this is not right. He's done nothing. You know him. You know, you, you know this is our son. 12, 15. 18, 20, 25, 30, 37, make it stop. What must have seemed like such an injustice in that moment. Now looking back, we understand that it yielded what it must for God's will to be accomplished and for the work of Christ to be done. He could not have said it is finished had God been moved with the prayers or fears or hurts or pains of someone else. Let me ask you a question tonight. What is your win? Where is your focus? What is your win? That night on the ball field, I quickly realized I was, not, I, I was not focused, nor was my hope in another touchdown. 
I immediately understood what a win would look like for me. You know, success is often a matter of perspective. <laughs> what is your win? What is your perspective? What is your success? Only God can determine success. Fix your heart on your win. What is your win? What would, what would be a win for you? It may not be what other people imagine as success. It may not be what other people are going for. It may not be what other people are, are, are struggling or wrestling for. It may be something that you need, something that you want. Focus on your win. And you'll find out that you get to win. You get to win constantly. What is your win? In fact, if you'll look around, if, if you'll just dare to look around, you will probably find that you have already won some of the greatest treasures, some of the greatest trophies that life could ever afford you. Look around. You're a winner. You're a winner. Time is shorter than you think. The game is not up to you, but how you play the game is. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Endure hardships as a good soldier. Focus on your win. Play your best, even against overwhelming odds. Sometimes it means just participating. We can't just give up and wait till the game is over. Life demands we participate. I close with these three things that I'll, four things that I'll encourage you to do. I'm sorry. There are five things I'm going to encourage you to do. I can't cut it down to three. I should, but I won't. Okay? I'll do these quickly. Number one, get up. You know, make sure you get up in life. Get up. It's so important that we don't let the challenges, the difficulties keep us down, keep us, keep us in bed, keep us from getting, getting out there. Get up. Number two, show up. It's important that we show up for the game. You know, sometimes that's the win. Sometimes just getting up is the win. Showing up. Being there. I'm going to be there again. I'm just going to be there again. I'm going to show up. Yeah. Number three, suit up. Come on, put your armor on. Okay? I mean, if you're going to play this game, you may as well suit up. Life can be tough. Put on the armor of God. Okay? Get your game face on. Come on. Get up. Show up. Suit up. Stand up. Well, when you get in the game, it, you know, for me at that football game, I'm just going to do my best. My best wasn't very good, but it was my best. My best was going to have to be good enough because it's all I had. And it required me hitting that big old boy every time. <laughs> Woo! You know, I didn't want to, but the game couldn't be played if I didn't go ahead and stand up there. I can't determine the victory. I can determine how I'm going to play. I can't determine the game. 
I can determine if I'm going to witness or not. I can't determine whether somebody's going to get saved or not. Noah couldn't determine whether people were going to get saved, but he could determine how he was going to play the game. He, he got up, he showed up, he suited up, and he stood up. For 120 years, he preached, get right with God, did not have one convert. But I'm going to tell you, he was successful because he got up, he showed up, he suited up, he stood up. You know what else? He finished the game. Finish the game. Don't quit. Life will make you want to quit sometimes. Don't quit. Just do your personal best and let God be responsible for the rest. 